YouTube, let me tell you what YouTube is. It's a trust mechanism. Mm. And people, when people can see you every week, they gain a trust and, and then they're much more likely to purchase your products. Okay, we are recording. Today I have Susan Berkeley. She is from greatervoice.com. She helps people succeed in their voiceover careers. She's the telephone voice for Citibank and AT&T a former radio personality and cast member on the Howard Stern show, as well as the expert behind the scenes voice coach for the winner of Donald Trump's The Apprentice. So Susan, thank you for coming on today. Hey Ian, thanks a lot. Uh, the name of my company is The Great Voice Company and it's greatvoice.com, not greatervoice.com, just so people can find it. Oh no, great voice. Greater, <laughs> it's great voice or greatervoice.com? Great, G-R-E-A-T-V-O-I-C-E.com. Perfect. Greatvoice.com. Yeah. Um, so you offer tons of products and services for people. Uh, so one of my questions is, you know, given your huge range of products, what, what do you like working on the best or what are you most excited about working on with clients or for companies? Yeah. So what we do at the Great Voice Company, we actually do three things. We have an audio production company. We work with, um, people who want to become voiceover artists, so we train them. And then we also have speaktoinfluence.com, which is training for people who want to have more persuasive speaking skills. And I tell you what I'm excited about is everything that we do. Because <laughs> yeah. what we're here for is helping people enhance and improve the way they communicate. Uh, one of the things we say about our company, it's how the world hears you. So when we work with our corporate training customers, we help the front line of the company. We make sure that their message is completely consistent with all of their spoken communications. Now, that could be what's on the telephone when people call the company. It could be the human beings that are answering the phones, doing the sales uh, for that company, or it can be even the CEOs. So everything we do has to do with communications and voice. Nice. So it seems like you could pretty much work for anyone you want. So that's, that seems like an exciting area to work in. Um, yeah. I mean, we were obviously, we don't work for anybody, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's no, it's terrific. You're, you're absolutely <clears throat> right Ian, because uh, people, everybody needs to enhance their communication skills. And, you know, it's not that we're necessarily improving people's voices, but we're helping them see the tremendous opportunity that they have when they learn to speak persuasively. So one of the core areas that I train people in are the vocal influence types. People don't realize that your voice is an amazing tool for influence and persuasion. So what I do is I help give people some tweaks. I help them deploy their voice as their most important weapon for sales and influence. Oh, wow. You're making me want to sign up for your courses already. <laughs> Oh gosh, this is good. Uh, okay. So, uh, again, I noticed when I went on a great voice, there was just so many different types of offerings for companies, individuals, training programs, <clears throat> services. So I have to think that maybe you had this kind of, you're mulling over it for a number of years, maybe during your other career when you're primarily an individual voice actor, is this, have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or was this something that developed as you got into voice? Or yeah. how, how did that come about? That's a great question. I am the granddaughter of a great entrepreneur. My grandfather started Archie comics. Oh, wow. And so he was amazing. And I really um, deeply, deeply inspired by him. Although, because he was old school, he was uh, of the era where women 
we're not really in business. You know, he was yeah. born in 1900. So yeah. I don't think he appreciated that I had that ability. But I started in radio and I actually worked for 15 years on the air as a salaried DJ. And I, I worked for uh, the Howard Stern show for a couple of years. I was mm. a traffic reporter. Yeah. And it was when I left that program, because basically it was a money issue, you know, a lot of fame, but no fortune. (laughs) Radio uh, does not pay well unless you're a superstar. So I always wanted to, actually I wanted to do voiceover. Mm -hmm. And I kind of didn't really have the idea that this was a business the way it is. And so when I left radio, I thought all I needed to do was just audition a little bit better than everybody else. And, you know, people knew me from the radio and I would book like crazy, but that wasn't the case. So it wasn't until I really started to study sales and marketing and apply it in my business that uh, things began to to take off. And what happened was, as I, I went freelance as a voiceover artist, I also started training people that wanted to do voiceover. So suddenly I had these two businesses and what happened was they both took off at the same time, and uh, now this this is almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I've trained pro- uh, what, thousands of people in voiceover technique, and you know not only am I the telephone voice of Citibank, but uh, our production company has hundreds of clients all around the world, and we record in all languages and all dialects. So uh, I've always stuck with voice and stuck with communications, but I've uh, turned it into a many faceted thing and it's been great for the business. Yes, I imagine that's that's a huge operation. And there's a couple of questions from that. I want to start with one that came up is you said you work for Citibank and AT&T. So was this after you learned the sales and marketing and was this I can't imagine the checks from them would be so small that you'd say, you know, I can't be an individual voice actor. <laughs> so what it, what it is is that uh You know, one of the first lessons that I learned in marketing was the lesson of lifetime value. And I think for Mm. your listeners and our viewers today, as an entrepreneur, that's something that you really, really need to focus on. So when you enter a new market as someone who's starting a business, you really should put a lot of thought into what is the potential lifetime value of your customers? How frequently will they be buying from you? Because I think people get very short-sighted especially voice talent and actors, they, they focus on booking the big one and mm-hmm. rather than making relationships with customers who will buy from them again and again and again. Mm-hmm. So some of my personal voiceover uh, customers that I, my voice is on, I've had uh, over the course of years, uh, over a seven figure lifetime value, oh, wow. other six figures. So what that did was that enabled me to switch from being uh, just a solo practice practitioner working in my uh, from under my little loft bed in mm-hmm. my little apartment in New York City mm-hmm. to um, I have I have a real business and I've had that for many many years I, I continue to do voiceovers and I have staff but the secret was I was uh, able to leverage myself by not just having my own voice record but having a choice of voices and and working in all different languages so that's enabled us to build the business we have mm. So it sounds like you're pretty set on expanding outside of just the, the personal stuff. Um, oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, I, I, I think that 
where the real leverage comes from. And look, first of all, it, everything starts with why, as Simon Sinek said <laughs> in his terrific book, you know, yep. Start With Why. Yeah. I just finished listening to that audiobook. He's, it, nice. It's great. Because it really makes you think about why you do what you do. And I mm -hmm. think that's the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. A business owner is looking to replace their paycheck but, but they, they're their own boss. Instead mm -hmm. of working for somebody else, they work, they now work for themselves. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's somewhat of a limited mentality, but my mission and my passion is I really, really want to, I always say I want to be like the next Dale Carnegie uh, because the way that people look at speaking is pretty antiquated. Mm -hmm. They look at it as a series of techniques that people use to, to influence and not be nervous, you know, look people in the forehead, don't look the audience in the eye. I mean, those are like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I think today's business speaker needs to really um, understand how to be themselves, an enhanced version of themselves in front of an audience mm -hmm. where they can tell their story in a way that is memorable, that makes sense, uh, and they, they become a great storyteller, and their voice is an instrument that they use to enhance that and what the great, the great shame today that I see in young people getting started in business, for example, my niece is a phenomenal entrepreneur. She, mm -hmm. She's an industrial designer, but she's terrified of speaking in the media and of speaking to people. And she's not alone. She's maybe 30 years old. Okay. And a lot of young people just want to hide behind their computer. Yeah. They want to just get it done through email or through a mm -hmm. text. And not only is that a shame because they miss an opportunity to really connect with people, really connect with people, like because the voice does it in a way, email never will, a text mm -hmm. never will. Mm -hmm. But they also are missing the opportunity to really develop themselves. Uh, they're, they're, they're defaulting to hiding rather than going out there and, reach, and meeting the world where it is. And they're just, uh, and, and something that's really interesting in my research, what I found is that you've got a timid person. You, have a, you, you might think, okay, this person is just shy. Have you mm -hmm. heard that before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't speak because they're shy. Yeah. But what's really going on here, what I found in my research, is they don't speak because they think they know. <laughs> and so the, the timid person... You mean like they're not interested in the feedback from the world because they're like, oh, what they're saying, I already understand. I'm a, yeah, exactly. I'm in my own head. I'm mm -hmm. in my own world. Uh, and also they're thinking people don't understand me mm -hmm. people aren't giving me a chance well this is the psychological phenomenon known as projection it's starting with them they are rejecting other people and yeah. imagining other people are rejecting them it's true yeah. i mean maybe i'm i'm um it's a little close to home but uh that and i say that with love i really do because it's a very very common problem and what mm -hmm. happens is when speakers come to grips with that and they understand that in a gentle way, they suddenly are freed from that terrible fear that they feel and all that anxiety that they feel. That anxiety is really the fear of seeing the barriers that we place between ourselves and other people, ourselves and the world. Um, when we speak, what happens is we get a lot of consciousness. We get a lot of awareness, not just of the audience, but of ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. And it's very scary for people who've been kind of locked behind their computers for, for years and years. They're afraid to kind of come out and, and experience what that's like. So that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help people free them 
from that uh, so-called terror of, of connecting and, and giving affection to an audience. Yes, definitely. Uh, you made me think of the, the Dale Carnegie courses, some of the exercises I've heard people talk about to break people out of that show, but I can't, I can't let that part go. You said you want to be the next Dale Carnegie. Do you mean, do you mean just because, you know, you want to be someone that brings more of the, I guess, technicalities of human relations into the limelight? Or do you, do you, do you see yourself doing more than that? Like really becoming someone who can help people in multiple facets of life? Oh, for sure. Voice. Okay. So this, this is what I mean when I say the next Dale Carnegie, I, I really feel that the science of true communications training mm-hmm has nothing has changed yeah. it's you go you take a course they give you techniques how to stand how to use your hands how to be more <laughs> how to gesture how yes. to do a killer powerpoint yeah. so we watch all these ted talks and the poor speaker sitting up on the stage with these amazing animated crazy powerpoints going on behind them yeah. it's not real hard to, i mean okay they're lovely they're great but we can be so much more. We can do so much more. So what I mean when I say I want to be the next Dale Carnegie is really, um, you know, I have some techniques and some methods and some ways of looking at communication skills that are, are really up to date. They're based upon work that I've done with uh, my teacher, Dr. Kepi in Brazil, who's a great renowned Brazilian psychoanalyst mm-hmm. about what really, really helps people overcome the fear of speaking mm-hmm. and uh, anxiety and stress. And what happens is people who are totally phobic are able to get up, free themselves, advance in their careers and sell more actually Yeah, in a way that's really real and, and one-on-one rather than this very formalized and look toastmasters is great it's helped a lot of people that mm-hmm. is the complete opposite of how i work with people really? i don't think you get to where you need to be by focusing on perfecting and not showing one single mistake or counting your ums who cares if you say um if you're really connecting with the audience mm-hmm. yeah thing that comes to mind for me it's like the it's like the difference between doing like a scripted like taekwondo form and like actually trying to fight someone in the ring it's like uh night and day it is i mean when you get up there so if you are not prepared to really if to really make that connection with the audience if you Mm -hmm. haven't spoken to them before you get up on the stage or even if you're selling and your audience is one person or even it's uh, like in a video like i'm doing with you right now Mm -hmm. i don't know anything about that audience if i don't care about them i'm gonna be totally flat yeah. Uh, if I'm not centered in that affection that I feel for you yeah. and that I want to, I want to help you out. I want to share some energy. Then uh, the whole thing is just, just not going to work. <laughs> it would just be <laughs> real boring to watch. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's interesting. So yeah, I noticed that too. You're definitely a pro. As soon as we got on, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> um, <laughs> what would you, can you give any examples of I know at some of the Dale Carnegie courses and Toastmasters, a lot of it is repeatedly getting up in front of an audience and having that experience. Could you give any type of example of like what an exercise would be like you're working on with this uh, Brazilian doctor about uh, the, the studies you got into, what those would look like in an exercise form? Well, let me tell you, the, 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 it's more the, the, con- the concept that people need to get mm-hmm. is that the hardest thing for us to accept in life is goodness. And this seems counterintuitive. I mean, why would anybody not want goodness? But it's unconscious. It's an unconscious attitude that we have. Uh, So that when we go to speak to somebody, we got to get over ourselves. 
the phobic speaker is super, uh, I call it, we call it narcissism, you know, and it's not like, oh, my hair is gorgeous and I'm, you know, the greatest thing in the world, but it's like, I'm hyper-focused on myself and my performance rather than on you. So the narcissistic speaker, and this can be speaking in any way, one-on-one, one-to-many, it doesn't matter, on a video, on YouTube, wherever you are, is hyper-focused on how they look, whether they, whether they make any mistake, their thoughts are like, oh, I'm doing this wrong. Oh, I said that wrong. Oh, that wasn't the way I wanted it to be. Oh, I'm not getting my point across. Do you see where I'm going? Rather than you. So that is one of the main problems. And, and Dr. Kepi Wrightson talks about this problem of narcissism a lot. It's, it's uh, you know, focused on ourselves rather than focused on the world and rejecting the goodness and the affection, the talents we've been given, which are developed in action, in giving them to others. I do. I understand what you're saying, the concepts. I just, I'm dying to know how someone would practice this. The only thing I can think of is, and tell me, maybe this is fake, totally fake. I've heard that in order to be good talking to an audience, you have to focus on one person and try to think that you're interacting intimately with them. Is that? I think that's a great, that's a, that's a great practical thing for a person to do. But what you don't want to do is stare at one person in the audience. So if you're <laughs> live in front of a group, you should, and this is real practical and this isn't, yeah. this is real practical stuff. You should mentally divide the, the room into quadrants and spend some time in that quadrant, in that quadrant, in that one, in that one, but never stare a single person in the eye. But you should, like when we're working in video right now, mm-hmm. um, I should, you should get an image of who the avatar is, who, and you always should have a per, an image of a person in your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing sales calls, you know, and it, one thing that I find and that I always teach the people that I train is to keep, a, I don't have one near me, but a photograph of a loved one by your phone so you're actually looking the picture in the eye when you're speaking to people mm-hmm. and that really helps to give you that one-on-one connection oh man <laughs> this is making me want to take your courses again uh <laughs> this is great stuff season i really appreciate it um how much more time do i have i want to make sure i leave enough time yeah, go ahead no i'm cool okay, okay. uh so I actually found you on your YouTube channel. Was it a big transition for you to do video? What, what are your plans for that? Do you have a vision mm-hmm. for that channel? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I love doing YouTube videos. We're somewhat of an early adapter. I've done hundreds and hundreds of them, and we continue to publish a video training blog every week. Some of my videos get over 20,000 views, and uh, I – actually have been recognized in airports from my YouTube video and in restaurants, which is gratifying. It's very nice. Um, I, as far as doing a great YouTube video, mine are very concise. They're about two minutes long and people write to me that they appreciate that. I think people ramble a lot. So to answer your question, being in radio for 15 years, it did help me be concise uh, but I really respect people's time and I script my videos out and then I reduce them to bullet points. So I really know point one, point two, point three. I also understand how to work with the camera. So you see the energy that I have right now. I don't, I'm not going to be like this. You know, you have to really pull, yeah. pull your energy up when you're on, on any kind of uh, camera. Lighting yeah. is really important. 
Yeah. Uh, one of my employees here is um, a videographer. So, so we keep that in mind. That's part of the aesthetics of it. But above all, I think and I hope that people see how much I care about them and I really want to help them out because by doing that, uh, you know, everything works better. Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely does. You're making me painfully obvious of this background. I need some like sweet background. No, you actually look great. You're, you're, yeah, it actually looks great. And you know, with Zoom, the platform that we're using, there's an advanced setting where you can, you can make your background look like whatever. I just have some... You just, you, just revo- you just revolutionized my channel. I'm like, yeah, you can, you can put a, you can make it like a green screen and you can put any kind of <laughs> Paris right now. That's, if you wanted to. <laughs> I'm going to definitely do that. Oh, wow. Susan. But that can was, I say one thing yeah. also about, about YouTube? People yeah. don't realize that it's a media, just like any other media that you might use. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it shouldn't be, I know people make it their living and they, sell advertising and they become YouTube stars, which is sort of a phenomenon of Mm -hmm. these days. But as a business person, as an entrepreneur, it's, it's something, you know, I developed my video skills after developing my radio skills. So it's something that I worked on and then I, I developed, but I use it like media, just like any other media that I might use Mm -hmm. a radio interview or anything else that I might get out there. And I've, I've done a lot of big media, you know, I've been on all the big guys, you know, CNBC and I've been in the New York Times and MSNBC and all of that stuff. So there's some rules for for being on camera that people need to know, but anybody can learn how to do it. Oh, you might have to do those in email. I'm sure I'm violating. (laughs) No, no, you look great. You look Um, great. (laughs) uh, Yeah, no, I, I... Yeah, there's a lot of problems with YouTube. I, I know what you mean. It's an acquisition channel, and some people look at it like, no, it's the business. Like, no, no, no. Just a no you gotta try to like use that to make money. I, you know, I, I pity you because <laughs> you need to have a back end. You know, people. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Let me tell you what YouTube is. It's a trust mechanism, mm. and people, when people can see you every week, they gain a trust, and and then they're much more likely to purchase your products. But you have to have an entry level product, which mm-hmm. I want to give you an offer for before we hang up mm-hmm. today or end our session today. Mm-hmm. And then once you get people in, on your list, you need to nurture them. You have to make offers. You need to email them. I do believe in emailing almost daily, actually, with something of value, mm-hmm. uh, storytelling and something of value, because you're making that relationship with people. Some people have been on my list over 20 years, if you can believe that. That's a lot of emails. And they finally buy something. And I'm like, God, you are so lucky that I'm still around. <laughs> it was, it was like, worth it. Slow boat to success. <laughs> yeah, 20, 20 years of email. Uh, okay, we're getting close to the offer. I have, I have two more questions. Can I do sure. that? Yeah, go ahead. So the first one is, for anyone thinking about starting a company, a creative project, YouTube channel, whatever, uh, what would be your advice to those people? I mean, okay. Oh, boy. I'm going to quote my mentor, Dan Kennedy, right here. He's my marketing mentor. Good, good mentor. Yeah, he's terrific. So he says, the who is more important than the what. Boy, if you as an entrepreneur can understand this, you are so far ahead than everybody else. Because what is the what? So what's the product? So what happens is people fall in love with their thing Mm. and then they're like oops i should sell this to somebody or find an audience for my thing no work with the audience first find and really put some thought into this who do you want to serve and what do they need not what do you need or what fits your crazy you know ideas all of us entrepreneurs have made the mistake of trying to 
launch something without actually having the audience ready for it. Like a, a few years ago, I created a whole e-learning project on how to build trust with your voice. And I thought this is going to be, and I, I spent, a, invested a lot of money in it and many, many months of my time. And I thought this will be a slam dunk. Companies are going to want to, going to love this. And it, the answer was no. I had a really hard time getting people to uh, to really understand what it was and and to uh, want to adapt it. So, you know, we all make that mistake, but you know, you got to no matter what, focus on the who, your audience, and then get to know them, interview them, talk to them, and give them what they want, not necessarily what they need, what they want. Yeah. That's that we could go on about that. We could go on for days. And, you know, and obviously in an ethical way, you don't want to give people bad stuff that they want. Yes. Yeah. No, definitely in an ethical way. Um, The last one uh, is, is there anything I should ask you that I didn't, I left out anything you'd like to talk about? I know you want to talk about the pitch. No, no. You know what? I, I applaud you. And I also applaud people that are watching and listening. I, I really think that, you know, we, have such a gift here in the United States. I travel abroad a lot. I spend a good six weeks a year in Brazil. And this is one of the few countries that really supports entrepreneurship. And people don't realize if you live abroad, uh, how many barriers there are, how many taxes, how many laws, Mm -hmm. how unfavorable so many countries are to the small entrepreneur, business owner, startup. Uh, I have a friend that is, uh, has a business. He's based in uh, Romania, but he sells millions of dollars into the United States. And he says, mm-hmm. if you guys can't make money in the United States, there's <laughs> something wrong with you. <laughs> so I think that yes. we don't understand uh, the tremendous gift that we have been given here uh, to really grow something wonderful. There are so many resources for you guys out there, but you've got to read. You, I studying my butt off. I'm constantly learning. I'm, I've always got videos going. I'm reading. I'm going to seminars. I invest, you know, five and six figures in my own education constantly mm-hmm. to be around other people who are more successful than I am. And I think that that is really the way to success. And don't ever give up. You can do this. It's not easy, but you got to stay in the game. I love it. I love it. Uh, all right. Well, what, what can I do to get in on the entry level of voice? Voice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. So, so if you, let me see which, which offer here. I was like, can I give an offer at the end? And I'm not even thinking about which one. So if you want to get into voiceover and you go to greatvoice.com yep. and you click where it says voiceover training, mm-hmm. your entry level is our voiceover start here program, which you're going to get four, great videos about how to actually do voiceover and a call with our talent advisor. And that's $95. It's a terrific offer. If you would like a copy of my book, one of my books, one of my books is called speak to influence. It is available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And then I have another book, which is called the persuasion code. And that one, I'm happy to send you the free PDF of that book. Yes. If you send me an email to Susan at greatvoice.com and just reference, what's the name of this program? Open source. Okay. So you reference open source and Ian, right? Yes. Uh, we will send you a cop, a free copy of uh, that book, Persuasion Code, which is, it's, it's a short book and it's a PDF, but it's great. It's all about the vocal influence types. And so that is my gift from one entrepreneur to another. 
to help you really make yourself more persuasive. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that. I'll sure. definitely, I'll definitely check that out as well. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll cut the recording and we can chat after, but Susan, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Pleasure. It's my great pleasure. Good luck to you. <laughs>